at Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. It's only two more shopping days until Valentine's Day, so are you part of the 53% of Americans planning to spend money on someone Thursday? Maybe a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your pet, a significant other? Uh, we're going to give you today some statistics, but also, as we do each Tuesday, more importantly, looking for your personal finance questions. So give us a call to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. morning. Now, I would like to say that, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about how I like buying shoes. And I think sometimes the impression out there is I just willy-nilly go out and buy shoes just to but buy you shoes. You do. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> this time, though, Can I contest my that? shoes I wear for tennis, I had worn them so much that, the you know, there was a, a gray sole and then a black, uh, a white sole. The, the sole had rubbed down to the you got your sole. you got so, your money out of this. Right. So I actually needed new shoes this you time. You actually move that much in tennis? <laughs> well, no, what it is, it's there's such pressure from the huge weight at each step <laughs> that, uh, you know, I'm surprised that, that a, the court doesn't shake that when a bra- I run. abrasive court, you know, just sandpapers them down. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, when, when you're my girth and you actually run, you shock your opponent so much that they usually will miss the shot. So that's my secret weapon. So are you going to be using your tax refund on, on a new pair of shoes? Uh, actually, I use my tax refund to pay for baseball tickets for the uh, M Braves, the minor league baseball team. Oh, okay. that's a good thing yeah. to spend money on. That's, good. you know, an experience, and hopefully you, you'll take some friends with you and enjoy right. the game. And the remainder I'm going to put into my uh, savings account. Good. There you go. Good. You've been listening. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes, you know, after so many years, some of this actually Where has Where do you get all this financial advice? <laughs> um, so, I mean, speaking of tax refunds, I was just looking at the statistics on the IRS. The IRS is really helpful. Every two weeks during uh, tax, the main tax season, they publish a list of how many people have filed, how many people have gotten returns, uh, how many prepared them themselves, how much money they sent out. And that's an important number, how much money they sent out. And um, tax refunds on average are down from last year. but it's important to note that the, the number of returns filed is down a lot. It's down maybe 10 or uh, it's down 13 percent down from last year. Uh, the re- average refund is down 8 percent. So while, you know, the average refund being down, you know, oh, that, you know, that kind of sucks because we kind of depend on people getting that big check and spending it. Um, a lot of people are, are, are taking a little more time. Uh, people have to get used to the new forms. People have to get used to the new adjustment adjustments. Also, a big thing we're seeing is people are getting a smaller refund than they expected. And with the tax uh, reform, what happened was they they put out new guidance for employers to withhold from your paycheck. And I think that, you know, it it sounds like that, that withholding guidance was a lot more accurate than previous withholding guidance. So people are just having the right amount withheld. I mean, they're not they're not overpaying like they used to. Yeah, but a lot of folks are disappointed, you know, because yeah, oh, they yeah. count on no, this it, big fat refund, and exactly. and we're concerned that it's going to really ding our first quarter GDP because mm-hmm. we expect to see all of that money flowing into the economy with people like Kevin buying his baseball tickets. 
Yeah. And they don't have as much money to buy those things. Exactly. No, I, um, while people did get the benefit of the higher paychecks all last year, uh, you know, sometimes pe- people just don't realize, you know, that, that tax refund yeah, is money you already put I, away. I agree. You know? And, you know, I'm always saying, why should mm-hmm. you um, allow the government to have a no interest loan from you? Mm-hmm. But um, for people who don't really save as much, they think of this as for saving. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting just a little bit extra on your paycheck each time, it may only be just a few dollars. So you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the impact that these big refunds do. Uh, by the way, if you have filed or when you filed, there is a way to track your refund. Uh, it's the Where's My Refund page. I think that would be on IRS.gov. I've used that uh, a couple of years. It's, it's pretty good. You have to have I your... I keep going there and it says you have none. <laughs> you have none. Go away. You have to have your taxpayer ID number, which is often your social security number, your filing status, and the exact amount of your refund. At the one year, something happened where mine got delayed or whatever. But actually, that's that's fairly accurate uh, mm-hmm. when they give you an estimate of, of when you get your refund. And there may be some delays because of the shutdown. And uh, we had so many workers that were on furlough, got called back. And so they're trying to process. So be patient. And uh, good news, potentially, for uh, to prevent another government shutdown in, in the news this morning, the fact uh, the uh, looks like Congress has reached a tentative agreement on border security. So we'll see how that plays out. We're crossing so, our fingers that it gets signed, sealed, and delivered. Because I think the, the next deadline is Friday, if I remember from the news correctly. Correct. So I say yeah. hopefully uh, we will prevent another government shutdown. And markets shutdown. are responding very well to that news. They're up uh, quite nicely this morning. One other bit about uh, tax returns. I uh, found out last night when I was I was waiting for one final, my 1099 DIV to be posted by uh, the mutual fund company that I was with. It finally was last night. So I, I had started my tax return using one of the free file systems. So I'm, you know, fill out the thing and uh, I hit a button that says, oh, gosh, sorry, you don't qualify for the free form because you've got this 1099 DIV, so you have to pay $40. It's like, oh, hmm. Well, I stopped that. Went back to the the company I had used the previous year. Went through the entire thing. Everything has been filed. Uh, no cost to me at all. That's interesting. Yeah. So they're not all created equally. That's uh, that's a good point. Uh, there are, for, especially for folks in certain income brackets, lower income brackets, there are free resources to help you filing your taxes. There's no need to go to those fly-by-night, $200, we'll crank out to refund uh, sort of places. Um, even professionals for a simple return might not charge that much. Um, but another thing, remember to gather all all of your forms. Uh, if there's some account that you kind of forgot about last year and the IRS gets a form on it, then they're going to send you a bill. Uh, so make sure you just double check everything. Look at your return from last year to see what all you put on it, just to just to kind of jog your memory, make sure you're not forgetting anything. Those are two important things when you're doing your taxes. And I will say the only, one, the only drawback I found to the free file was that you can't get assistance. You'd have to pay to get to the tax professional. And there was one thing on the state return that I was a little bit confused on, mm-hmm. but uh, worked my way through it. And uh, as usual, got some money back from the federal, owe the state a little bit, but I've actually already paid my uh, tax liability for this year to uh, to the state of Mississippi. So I'm, I'm good You're to go. You're ahead. That's yeah. right. Good. I'm ahead of the game. Uh, anything else financially in the news? Well, I, I'm just still jumping up and down about this agreement, and I think we'll see the effects of that uh, on our markets this week. And we will just hope it does get signed, as I said earlier, 
And uh, then the next thing on the table will be negotiations with China. And we're hoping for some uh, nice news out of that. And that will push the markets additionally. We are going to be talking about uh, some statistics related to Valentine's Day today, uh, but also we're also looking for your personal finance questions. So if you have one on any kind of topic, uh, give us a call. We'll see if we can't give you some help. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, statistics today that we're using came from the National Retail Federation and surveys from finder.com and uh, statistician. I hope I said that right. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Valentine's Day for 2019 looks different than it did a decade ago. Ten years ago, more than 60% of adults plan to celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, today, that's dropped off to just over half. And that's really crazy considering that uh, 10 years ago was in the depths of a recession <laughs> that people were still uh, going out and, you know, yeah, I guess I guess if it's important to you, you know, it kind of boosts you. Boosts your All right. Mood. So three reasons why it's down. What do you what do you take a guess? What do you suppose reasons for people not uh, celebrating? We Valentine's just don't Day? like each other that much. Anymore, <laughs> I, think, right? I think that's probably going to be the biggest one. We don't like it. We don't like people. Have you have you met people? People are crazy. No, no. Well, all right. We'll, we'll put that there are three here. Worth, so we'll say simply not interested anymore was one of them. Uh, this is a sad one. Don't have anyone to celebrate with. I mean, come on now. We mentioned a pet. I'm certainly must have. Aww. I think that's that. Yeah, that's a lot of lonely people out there. Well, that's yeah. true. I remember in elementary school, you were forced to give a Valentine to every other student in the class. So fortunately, and we never had that for that really special one to be left in your box. That's right. right. <laughs> And you, uh, we used to do gifts, and uh, everybody always wanted the big, giant uh, Lifesaver pack. It was like a, a book full of uh, various flavors uh, of Lifesavers. Uh, speaking of that, you know the little candies, the hard the, candies? They're not doing them. I know. Uh, what were they called? Sweethearts? With they the don't little make sweethearts anymore? No. With the messages on them, that just that's really like a, makes that's me That's like sad. candy corn at Halloween <laughs> going away. It's just like it's you a know, staple, but everyone's right. like, ugh. Every year you had to struggle to hear, see, you know, because they weren't quite printed well, so the message was somewhat obscured. So, uh, And the final reason not to celebrate Valentine's Day, some consider it over-commercialized. Well, it is that. Yeah, um, yeah, but, I mean, was it ever not? <laughs> oh, I remember back in the day when Valentine's Day was about true love. And no, saw, no, you don't. It was always about spending money. I saw somebody post online, a guy, of course, who uh, went into the grocery store and posted a picture saying, well, you know, they're, they're reminding me. I will never forget because here's a picture of everything about Valentine's in the grocery store. Oof. All right, uh, need to take our first break this hour. Uh, what are your Valentine's Day plans? If you want to share them with us, give us a call. Also, we're looking for personal finance questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or you can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this.
You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss part of our show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash talks to listen again. Also, if you download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone, you get to listen to all of the MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here this morning with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb be ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're also talking about Valentine's Day and a fun fact to share. It's the second most popular holiday for sending cards. Any guesses on what number one is? Mother's Day. What about Christmas? Actually, that's a good guess, but Ryder is correct. It's yeah. Christmas. Uh, I've given I've, up Christmas cards. Okay. There, yeah. That, I, okay, so speaking of you know <laughs> being tired of everyone and not having any, you know with, here we go. Uh, I think uh, and I don't want to give away something, but I think Mother's Day might be an answer later in the show. So hold, hold on to that thought. Uh, we have a caller on the line, and it's uh, Johnny who's called in from Jackson this morning. Go ahead, Johnny. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Morning. Uh, yes, sir. I just had a, a question about. Um, uh, tax season since we covering that. Um, I'm a small business owner. I recently incorporated uh, my own business, but I'm just trying to get a better understanding of how I can maximize my earnings throughout the fiscal year to, uh, you know, get a credible uh, refund. Well, um, Johnny, you're a perfect candidate to really sit down with a CPA. If you own a business, you really do need to have a relationship with a good accountant who can help you um, set your books up, give you some guidance about what is deductible and what is not deductible so you can make the most use of that. Every small business owner knows that, you know, you want to keep your cash flow high and your net income low. Um, And um, there are many things that you can deduct and things that you can't deduct, so you don't want to run afoul of the IRS. IRS. And uh, an accountant or CPA will also give you guidance about setting up your own retirement plan. So you really need to find someone and establish a relationship and get going with them. Okay. And in regards to that, um, I know a lot of people are, are, are learning these things as well. How do I make sure I make the right decision with an accountant? Well, I think you start by asking other business owners, since that's what you're looking for, who they're using. And um, then you just need to find someone that you're comfortable with because you need to lay everything out and be able to ask questions and have somebody that is accessible to you. Somebody you can, you know, call, pop an email to, to say, hey, can I do this or can I do that? And get them to be responsive to you. So I would go with kind of any, the, the same recommendation of how you find any professional. Um, you know, if you're looking for a lawyer, if you're looking for an investment advisor, if you're looking for an accountant. Um, one thing is credentials. Uh, credentials aren't everything, but they they really show an extra dedication on that person's part. Um, they show, they do show some level of competency that isn't going to be demonstrated just by someone else. Like, in, anyone legally speaking can prepare your taxes, but a CPA understands taxes and accounting to a level that most people do not. And then that's just a level of competency uh, that they've demonstrated through their credentials. Um, also, uh, referrals from other professionals, like she mentioned, either other business
business owners who are going to be using them or other professionals who might uh, recommend them to folks. Um, so, you know, professionals like, you know, other lawyers, um, uh, investment advisors, uh, bankers, those are all folks who will work with CPAs and have seen different CPAs work and can give a recommendation for one who uh, not only is is competent uh, and does excellent work, but is also appropriate for your situation. So for instance, if you've worked with a lawyer, you know, maybe helping set up your business, or you work with a banker with your accounts, you know, turn to them and, and see, see who they think would be appropriate for you. Um, and just one last last point I want to make about taxes and refunds. You, you mentioned wanting to maximize your income so you could get a, a bigger refund. Uh, like Nancy mentioned before, the, the point of the game isn't to get a bigger refund. It's to pay lower taxes overall. You get A refund is simply your money that you've already paid, ba- paid in coming back to you. So, for instance, if you pay $20,000 in taxes throughout the year and only end up owing $10,000, you get a refund of $10,000, that extra $10,000 that you paid in. But you could have had that extra $10,000 last year by only paying you know, what you really owed. Um, and, and small business owners will often find that they do owe more at the end of the year, just depending on how you make up your income. So it's, it's, it's not a refund that you want. You want to you minimize your taxes throughout the whole year. It, that's, that's the game. Okay, and that's and that's basically what I'm trying to understand mm-hmm. the, you know, the different parameters involved because mm-hmm. I've always been uh, you know employed and the taxes have always been automatically deducted, but mm-hmm. now that it's all on me, I'm just trying to learn more of how the game works. Like you're saying, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, one last question before you let me go: uh, CPA, what does that actually stand for? Certified Public Accountant, and it means that that person um, has gone through a level of education, and they've also passed the CPA exam to be awarded that certification. Uh, It's a very... um, rigorous exam and uh, as Ryder mentioned these are people who um, know a lot about tax issues and um, they have to stay abreast of all of the tax law changes mm-hmm. okay okay well I appreciate you all's time all right Goodbye. absolutely thanks for the call Johnny we've got some open phone lines if you'd like to have a personal finance question answered the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four Our producer, Liz Gill, suggested possibly for small business owners to get in touch with the Small Business Administration. Do they would they offer help uh, or what kind of help generally would they be able to offer? Well, I don't I don't know if they're going to send anyone to a CPA. Um, They would help with business planning Mm -hmm. and uh, helping you prepare statements so you can apply for loans. They actually do lending as well as connect you with other lenders. Um, They do mentorships as well. So if they're if you need some help with a particular type of business, they can put you in touch with somebody who's retired, maybe, mm-hmm. who's been in that business and can help you learn about it. All right. Uh, so we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning, also talking about some fun facts related to Valentine's Day. So we mentioned that not many people will be celebrating, but according to the National Retail Federation, 
there will be celebrating untraditionally. I'm not sure I quite understand this, but anyway, uh, they're still spending money, but maybe not how we used to spend money. One chart we have here that's interesting to me is the percentage of those not celebrating who still plan to mark the occasion, and it's broken down by age group, starting with the 18 to 24-year-olds at 46%. (laughs) But apparently the older you get, the less likely you are to celebrate because it goes 18 to 24 is 46 percent, 25 to 34. I'm sorry, 18 to 24, 25 to 34, and so on, so on, so on. When you get down to 65 plus, it's down to 13 percent. So I guess, like I say, Valentine's Day apparently is a holiday well, for the young folks. And and uh, in that group, you're going to find people who have lost spouses. Um, you are also going to find people who've been married a long time, and so it's like you know, okay, They're happy Valentine's. <laughs> They're over it, yeah. Yeah, but does that count as celebrating? If you know, just the simple recognition does that is that going does that get us on the charts here uh other interesting chart we have here is uh what they plan to do but to mark the occasion but not celebrating one is purchase anti-valentine's day gifts Um, and 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 how do anti-valentine's gifts show up in the economic statistics I, I don't know. The same way as the Valentine's yeah. gifts do. It's I'm all not sure I know spending. what an anti-Valentine's Day gift That's would be. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What like, would that be? Uh, coal? No, wait. It's coal in your stocking. Like, uh, That's another holiday. I don't know. Uh, fortunately... Did you give a gift to someone you don't like? Oh, I will say, I did hear about... What is it? Some... I think it's a zoo somewhere where they're uh, saying oh, you yeah. can pay them to name a salmon after your ex, <laughs> and then they feed the salmon to the bear. Oh, that's aggressive. I saw one, though, was cockroaches being eaten by meerkats, okay. which I imagine is a lot cheaper than buying the whole salmon. I, that, that's interesting, because I saw, I think, a headline or heard something, and it was cockroaches and meerkats about Valentine's Day. So thank you, because we yes. were trying to figure out what that was. I thought maybe they would send you a bag of dung or something. Well, here from, this is Liz from Huffington Post. They have 33 anti-Valentine's Day gifts for people who despise Valentine's Day. And it's things like a capital, happy capitalistic couples day card, mediocre Valentine's, which are kind of tan, uh, an I heart, uh, or I heart carbs t-shirt, a nope wedding ring, uh, anti-Valentine's Day conversations heart banner with things like go away, nope, can you not, single forever, (laughs) Uh, an anatomical human heart pin instead of a valentine. It's, I guess... uh, some well, that would, I mean, that would be a, an anatomical heart. I think that would be a good Valentine's gift for someone who's just a little more practical, a little more realist, I'm, I'm and a into, you might have. into science yeah. and, and, and things like that. So it sounds like just about anything can go as an anti-Valentine's Day gift. Maybe it's maybe it's the spirit that counts. That's right. Uh, let's uh, get another call in before our next break. We'll speak with Jimmy calling in from Fairhope today. Good morning, Jimmy. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, I am kind of on the other side. I want to see how many uh, percentage of people like to say, hey, I don't want to get any refund back. I want to use my money (laughs) the best I can all year round. Um, Sometimes I have to pay a couple hundred dollars. Sometimes I uh, get a hundred dollars refund because how much interest does the federal government pay you for that big refund? (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm kind of wondering what percentage of people are really looking for refunds versus more of the people in my camp. 
Um, I think you're the oddball, and welcome to our world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we always recommend that people adjust their withholdings, and I think one of the reasons that we have this drop in the refund is because now fewer people are doing itemized deductions. And so that's not often reflected in the withholding tables. And um, But you're right. You, you should try to adjust it so you're not giving them an interest-free loan. But so many people just love having that big check at the beginning of the year. Um, there's just something about it. It's just like, oh, here's a big gift, and especially after Christmas, and you yep. can do all kinds of things with it. Yeah, and it does wonderful things for the used car market. <laughs> all right, uh, Jimmy, good point. Thank you for your call this morning. My question, again, before we go to break, is it easy to adjust your withholding, and do you how would you do you know how much to adjust it by? Well, it depends on your, your human resource department, and... Um, you know, how often can you approach them? Can you get them to look at the withholding and do that? You know, in our small business, we have a little more flexibility mm-hmm. to even go outside of the tables if somebody mm-hmm. wants to, um, because yeah. we know they have to be accountable at the end of the year. But for larger companies, you're kind of stuck with, okay, this is the way it's done. This is Liz. I'm going to chime in one more time because I just changed my withholding because as Kevin did, I started my taxes and was floored and shocked at how much I owed. I hadn't had the correct allowances on my withholding. And then I just also didn't realize there's a second part to the form to fill out to figure out how many allowances to put in if you're a two-income earning family. And I've had my kids roll off. So before I was getting lots of kid deductions and now they're all over 17 and there are no exemptions anymore. So I'll be set for the 2020 uh, filling out of the 2019 taxes. Very good. Yeah. So I believe that's the, what is the, what is the withholding form? The W4? Yes. The W4 is, is your withholding form. And uh, so like Liz mentioned, there's two parts to it, um, but most folks just can get away with just filling out some basic information on the front. And it's... All IRS forms are, you know, seem pretty convoluted, but the instructions, if you were willing to wade through them, uh, make things pretty clear. And so just get a, get a W-4, work through it. You know, you say, you know, yourself, are you married or not? Do you have any kids? That's not going to matter as much this year. Also, what you can do, if you know that your income is going to be the exact same as last year, and you know exactly how much taxes you owed, you can go through basically putting zero on every line and then put the amount I would like to be withheld is X. Um, you know, knowing I get paid on a monthly or I paid on a uh, bi-weekly basis. Oftentimes, um, human resources departments can't really give guidance on that. Um, either, you know, their employer doesn't allow them to or there's just too many folks to do that. But that's the form where you do all the figuring up and it allows you to go into as much detail as you want. So if you do want to get your withholding exactly spot on correct, you can do that with a little bit of work from the W-4. Um, otherwise, you can get it pretty close. And like I mentioned earlier, withholding table guidance has gotten a little more accurate, I think, because of the change in how we do uh, instead of having deduction. Um, 
itemized Exem- deductions. Exemptions on top of deductions. It's just a lar- larger uh, deduction. All right. Uh, need to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your personal finance questions and sharing some fun facts about Valentine's Day. Uh, the number to call if you'd like to join in, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got Sue and Lee on the line. We'll get to their questions and your question as well after the break. Also, something to think about during the break. When was the first Valentine's Day card mass-produced? We'll have that for you, so stay tuned. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Before the break, we asked you uh, when the first Valentine's Day card was mass-produced. Surprise, surprise, it was Hallmark uh, that of first course. produced a Valentine's Day card. Well, I've never heard of that company. in 1913. Never would have guessed. So we've been uh, celebrating Valentine's Day for a, a long time. All right, uh, we've got some calls to get to, so let's go back to the phone, starting again in Beaumont. Sue's on the line. Good morning, Sue. Go ahead. Good morning. I'd like to say that uh, from my memory, I think Valentine's Day Day was named after St. Valentine, who banished all snakes from Ireland. Is that right? That's what I remember. (laughs) I think you're mixing up St. Patrick's Day Uh, and uh, Valentine's Day. Oh. I think it was St. Patrick who banished. It was St. Patrick who banished the snakes from Ireland. Oh, but sometimes your Valentine can be a snake. I mean, (laughs) you know, maybe we should, you know, wait until Creature Comforts for this. But uh, for some reason, uh, Susan and I in the office were just looking at this yesterday. Um, So there's no snakes in Ireland, but there's there's three types of snakes in England. And and we were like, oh, yeah, well, how many types of snakes are there in Mississippi? There are a ton of snakes in Mississippi, y'all. We are just crawling with them. Well, I, I don't think that's connected to Valentine. Well, I always heard that greeting cards were just a made-up that was just a made-up holiday to sell product, you know, like Mother's Day. Oh, oh yeah. Day. absolutely. Columbus Day. I mean, what is that? Daylight Savings is also just about boosting the economy. Yes. You know, I send out Daylight Savings Day cards a lot, so that's... Uh, and, and, and if you won't send a card, stamps have gone up to 55 cents each. Aha. Uh-huh. See, that's why I'll email all my Valentine's you know, this year. Yeah, the post office does. They, they really get into the spirit with these holidays, don't they? All right, uh, Sue, good to hear from you. Thanks for your call. Let's move on next. Lee's called in from Woodville today. Good morning, Lee. Go ahead, please. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. I have two questions. One is Mississippi happens to be the new gambling mecca of America. <laughs> it is. Those people that win or have big losses, do they have to file the wins or losses on their tax forms? And also, Mississippi is a state that has quite a number of disabled people. Mm-hmm. And they receive 
service assistance along with Medicare and Medicaid? And do they have to file a tax form each year? I'll hang up and let you all discuss that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so so that's good, and 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 we you know do occasionally get calls about how how uh, gambling or casino winnings are considered in taxes. Um, yes, it is it is all reportable. If you uh, if if your income at what's the the threshold for needing to uh, file taxes at all is oh it used to be it used to be about four thousand two hundred because that I was, was the personal it was exemption seven or eight. I think it's a little higher now. Um, one of the tricky things with and and there's different um, tiers. Well, you are responsible for reporting all of this yourself. The uh, gambling institution, the casino, the sports betting place, whoever you do your gambling with, whoever gives you your winnings, they're responsible for giving you a, a form. I believe it's just a 1099 or 1099 of some sort. After you know, it should be the 1099 BET. They they do have to report that. Now, understand if you have losses, nobody's going to nudge you to report a loss because that's to your advantage, but you can declare losses on your income taxes. Yeah, and and one of the tricky things about it, someone pointed out, someone I remember has pointed out before, that's why I made sure to get this straight, is that you report your income in your, um, in the, the first section of your 1040 is, is kind of all your incomes, but you only report your losses later. Uh, you report your losses and your deductions very often. Um so, so it can make it look like you have a very high income, even though you take all of the. You know, someone made an example of where you could sit there and do, you know, penny penny slots all day and have a hundred thousand dollars of winnings and a hundred and one thousand dollars worth of losses, and and that hundred thousand dollars worth of winnings really makes it look like you made a ton of money. But then you you go down to your deductions and it all goes away. Um, so it is just be very careful how you report it make sure make sure that it ends up netting out at the end and you're not you know you know your income doesn't look too high you know netting out your gains and losses and um, and if you have any questions about it, you know, obviously work with a CPA, work with a tax professional. Um, we have seen some problems. We've had some folks call in because issues with um, various things where you we have to qualify based on your income. They will look at maybe a, a number before deductions, and that can be very tricky when you have large gambling winnings, wins and losses. Now, if you have disability income, you may also have to file. And um, I believe it may be taxed a little bit differently because I know Social Security is. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the disability side. And uh, it it depends on how much you have. And for some people who are on disability, they may have other sources of income that when you put all of that together, puts them over the limit where they are required to file. So check with an accountant, a CPA, to see if you're required to do that. We are on Money Talks this morning looking for your personal finance questions. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Next up, we've got Chad on the line from Natchez. Good morning, Chad. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, I had a question about, I heard y'all mention something about the child credit tax. Are we losing that this year? And the other question was, is it bad for me and my wife to file separately? Um, will we lose a deduction for that? I'll well, hang up and listen on the phone. Um, I'm going to start with filing separately if you're married. 
under general circumstances, you should not do that. Um, there are rare situations where filing separately makes sense because maybe it allows one spouse to um, apply for programs that would not apply under joint income. But most of the time, you're penalized for filing separately. The tax um, brackets and all of the issues are different for separate filing versus joint filing. And we do have a child care tax credit. It is a larger credit this year. I don't remember exactly how much. And more people than before can apply for it, so even higher income people can get it. Yeah, and and just one more thing. So, like Nancy mentioned, filing separately affects a lot of things other than just the amount you pay. Um, so, which is why some people some people do it. You know, it's to show. Uh, so, one spouse can show a lower income to qualify for benefits, to qualify for lower payments on, say, a student loan or something. Uh, but also, you it, it reduces the amount that you can put into um, IRAs if you're using IRAs for personal retirement savings. Um, you you lose some benefits there. So, so you have to look on both sides. You know what are you gaining, and what are you what are you losing uh, when you when you file separately? All right, uh, quickly here are some more fun facts about uh, Valentine's Day. Who gets a gift ranked by average dollar amount projected to spend? And I'll go through this, and then we'll get some quick reactions. Uh, wife, kids, myself, girlfriend, friends, husband, secret, other family members, boyfriend, pet cat, pet dog. I bet that secret gets the biggest gift, don't you? Probably so. Yes, because uh, it's anonymous. My thoughts on this. First of all, girlfriend sure is way up at the top of the list compared to boyfriend. Obviously, pet cats should be higher. When I said, and I'm glad that pet cat was higher than pet dog because I have a cat. I'm a little surprised that dogs and cats are not higher because people spend a lot of money on their dogs and cats you know, throughout the rest of the year. Why stop now? And interestingly that myself was up there at number three. So, of course. All right. Uh, let's take one call before our next break. Uh, say good morning to Ron calling in from South Haven. You're on the air with us, Ron. Go ahead. All right. Good morning. I have uh, my daughter had uh, is getting a medical settlement, a large amount of money. She wants to give us um, a large amount of money except for all the help that we've given her over the uh, course of this ordeal. Um, gift taxes. I, from what I've understood, it's uh, right now it's like fifteen thousand a year before you have to pay a tax that she would have to pay a tax on, mm-hmm. or anything over that can be applied to the lifetime exemption, and she can avoid the tax. That is correct. correct. Now, understand, um, how much does she want to give you? Um, Six figures. Low six figures. Low six figures. Okay. So um, she can use five times 15,000 for each of you. So 75,000. So 75,000 times two, 150,000. That would be for five years. You can do a five-year gift all at once. Of course, that means if she does any more in the next five years, that will be over. That would be over. Okay, so a one-time gift now would be basically tax-free for her if she does the lifetime. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's what I understood. I just wanted to clarify. I appreciate that. Thank All right. You. Thanks for the call, Ron. Time for the last break this hour. When we get back, we will continue sharing some fun facts about Valentine's Day, and we have some emails uh, with some personal finance questions. You can still work in your question as well by giving us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 or email the show money at mpbonline.org. During the break, think about this question. What holiday beats out? 
up Valentine's Day in floral sales. We'll have that information for you after the break, so stay tuned. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been answering personal finance questions and talking about some fun facts uh, concerning Valentine's Day. The last question we asked before the break was, what other day beats Valentine's Day in floral sales? Nancy, your guess is? Mother's Day. That's the one. Yes, yes oh, indeed. So, it wasn't Columbus Day. That's according to 1-800-Flowers. By the way, I, I, you know, I've checked into that. Uh, flowers are, are not cheap. I mean, no, they're not. Uh, they're not. Especially when you do the roses thing. It can be quite, quite expensive. Uh, so let's see. We've got some calls to get to, but also some emails here. This first one says, my sister died last year and had no will. Uh, she did not have any assets like money, car, house, and was on disability. I had to pay for her funeral. Her mail was forwarded to me, and she has received her tax information. Should I file her taxes? Can I use a software, or do I need to do something special and more formal? I don't want to do anything that's not acceptable. Um, I think this is a case where you need to talk to um, a CPA because she died during the year. Mm -hmm. She was on disability. So chances are her income is below the limit where you are required to file. So that would be the first step. And um, but if it is above, then, yes, you do need to file for that person. You would file for their estate. Okay. Uh, Here's another one from John who says, I have a money market type account I rolled over from previous employers 401k, about $15,000 that's been making very little money. I've been advised to open a separate fund with it by one advisor or roll it into my current 401k by another. My question is, could I roll this into my HSA account? No. Okay. There's your answer. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Which option of the two do you think is best? uh, If not every 401k will allow you to bring money in from another employer. So you need to check with that administrator first to find out, can you do that? And that might be a good option for somebody to get Mm -hmm. everything in one place, especially if you have a good plan. But more than anything, you don't need to be sitting there in a money market. And I don't know how old this person is. I'm assuming Uh, maybe... 53. 53. Okay. So still needs to earn a little bit and can be invested in something a little longer term, maybe a good balanced fund that has stocks and bonds and... Uh, cash all in one. Okay. Yeah, but um, what I would uh, kind of think here is, you know, if if you want to work with an advisor, if you have a reason to want to work with an advisor who's suggesting you roll it out to an IRA, um, and that kind of that's the way to get access to the advisor, that's the way to get access to their advice and their great financial planning and all other things that they do for you, then that's that's great. I mean, that's a good good reason to roll it into an IRA. But um, if if you're just kind of be going to do it on your own, you don't you don't need their advice, uh, or maybe you don't like 
the products that they're trying to sell. Maybe they're trying to sell unit annuity or something. Um, then roll it into your your current 401k just to have everything consolidated. Um, you know that that's a lot easier for a lot of people. That being said, not all 401ks are even that great. Um, so you know just just be very careful about what you are moving it into. All right, one more email before we go to the phones, and it says I have a tax question. We had some necessary repairs done on the house we rent out. The work began in October, but was not completed until late January. Intermittent payments were made to the contractor during the course of the work with a final payment in 2019. When filing taxes for 2018, do we use the total amount for the work, or do we need to file the final payment on the 2019 taxes? Yeah, um, you're talking about a a cash situation Mm -hmm. for a business, which means you only get deductions for what you paid out during the year. So whatever was paid out during 2018, you can declare that, and then that final payment will go into 2019 taxes. All right, very good. Let's go to the phone lines. We start in Ocean Springs. Amy's called in today. Good morning, Amy. Go ahead. Hello. Um, I just had a question. My husband, um, we are a single-income family. Um, My husband does not own his own business, but he made a a lot of money this last year Mm -hmm. due to a bonus payout. Um, I was just quickly doing our taxes and TurboTax and realized that we have a large amount of money to pay the government. And I was wondering what we can do in these next few months to minimize that. A lot of the deductions we don't even qualify for because of our income level. Um, uh, You could do a spousal IRA, but... um I, I don't know that there's much you can do at this point. Um, can you think of anything, Ryder, that yeah, would I mean, work? I, I was going to say one reason this happens a lot is because uh, bonuses often are just kind of paid out differently from your regular uh, from your regular paycheck. In any way, a large bonus that significantly changes your income bumps you into higher tax bracket. Uh, your old withholding rules, it just kind of blows it all out the water. So that's how this does happen if other folks are listening and kind of experiencing a similar shock. Uh, one important thing, I mean, throughout the year, you know, make sure he's taking advantage of any employer uh, 401k or if he if he is considered self-employed, uh, you know, a SEP IRA. Okay. So if he has a 401k at work, you're maximizing that. And when you, especially when you get large bonuses, you know, planning ahead, no, knowing that you're going to owe extra taxes on it. So either getting extra tax um, withheld so you won't have that shock or using that to really boost the amount you're putting into your 401k um, can make a big difference. Um, like Nancy said, a spousal IRA, you know, doing your own IRAs. But again, you're probably out of the deduct- uh, deductibility there um, because that's a pretty low income uh, income mark. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes we uh, end up making a lot of money and having to pay a lot of taxes. And that's just, you know, yeah, I think that's what happened. The yeah. bonus just kind of blew us out of anything we were used to, and now yeah. we're a little bit in shock. <laughs> and 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 I would say, especially if it's an end of the year and a not a not a regular bonus, uh, just depending on how you know how much control he has over how he gets paid. Say say your employer approached you and say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a ten thousand dollar bonus in December," um, and you knew that was going to bump you into a higher tax bracket. Asking them to split that into two five 
$5,000 bonuses, uh, one in December and one in January, would make a difference. Of course, it's going to make a difference for your employer, too. So, uh, you know, they might not be willing to go for that, but that is a way to kind of spread it out a little more and, and maybe lower your overall uh, taxes. All right, Amy, thanks for your call. Let's get one final call in. It's Mikey and Mobile. Mikey, got about a minute for your Valentine's Day comment. My very favorite, you were talking about the cost of roses um, that I ever received um, from a, a former spouse, um, was a bag of manure. Oh. And it was, a, it, it was the perfect gift because it complemented the roses that we had agra- agreed to buy for each other and plant. So that was very oh, economical. for and a gardener. Which, and besides which, I um, reciprocated by hand-making him a, lit, a large, lovely card that said, Happy VD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, that's an interesting way to end up the show. So uh, hope everyone uh, decides to, uh, if you're going to celebrate this year, uh, maybe do so. Don't go too uh, hog wild there. Remember, you know, to stay on your budget when you're uh, going out there planning your uh, Valentine's Day adventures. That is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. And our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.